0: We're talking about empowerment, and we're talking about a gift that is incredible, and I'd like to, uh, the first question that usually comes to mind is, how has God empowered me? How am I empowered? And we're going to begin really opening that up, and I hope by the time you leave, you truly understand how you are empowered By God, And we'll start the way that Paul starts in verse 14 when he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father. So let's start by kneeling before our Father through prayer. God, we come before you and we ask that you would open up our eyes to how you have empowered us. I pray that we would leave this place with no doubt, knowing that you've empowered us to do great things. Use this time. In Jesus' name, amen. This is actually the second time that Paul prays in Ephesians. The first time, we saw him in chapter 1. And in chapter 1, he was talking about enlightenment. He wanted everyone to understand what they were opening up and this knowledge that they would have. And he sort of progresses, and now he's in chapter 3, and he's talking about enablement. Now that you have understood who God is, understood where you came from and where you are now, it's supposed to cause action. It's supposed to cause something to happen within you, and you're going to begin to do things. And as you tap into this power that I've given you, your purpose, your plan, why you were created is really going to start to come out. This unique design that he talks about all the time, that you are unique to this world. It's not just about your outside. Although when you look around, you don't see many people that look like you. Six billion people in the world. You can go over to Disneyland and people watch and you will find nobody that looks exactly like you. That's pretty amazing. But that is not the unique design. The unique design is actually what he does inside of you. He created you with a specific plan and purpose in mind. And when you begin to understand what that is, it will wake you up in the morning because you'll be excited knowing that I have been empowered to do something. The situation I am in, at work, at home, where I go, who I talk to, I have been empowered to do absolutely amazing things. Quick side note, the posture of the prayer is not the most important thing. This this posture of kneeling is a really good posture in prayer. But we see... Abraham standing before Sodom in Genesis 18. We see Solomon standing at the dedication in 1 Kings 8. David sat before the Lord in prayer in 1 Chronicles 17. And Jesus falls on his face in prayer in the garden. We see that in, where is that? That's uh, Matthew 26, in case you're all referencing. I see you writing these down really fast. The other thing that's important is the posture of the soul. And what this is all about is it's not really looking for long, eloquent prayers. This is a very short prayer. And throughout the Bible, we see that as well. We see Elijah on Mount Carmel. It's one verse long, and it's a very powerful, powerful prayer. We see Nehemiah's great prayer is only seven verses, and it's used all the time as this really powerful prayer to God. Uh, There's some others throughout the Bible we see. Jesus is how he's taught us to pray in John 17. You could probably read that prayer in about five minutes. He's not looking for your long, eloquent prayers. He's looking for your soul as you come before him. And that daily time with him, how are you continuing to walk with him in a way in which you are kneeling before your father? And understanding that that power causes you to do something. As we go on with the verses, verse 15 says, From whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I love that right there. From whom every family. Whenever you see the word family, it excites me. When we talk about being part of the family of God, Pastor Larry spoke about this two weeks ago, and he used the word included. We are included into the family. That means we were grafted in as adopted sons and daughters to spend eternity with our creator. That is a very powerful thing to grab. And then, as you understand that you're included in the family, it's supposed to cause more to happen. And that's where we get to in this part of Ephesians. Verse 15 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. When Jesus was walking on this earth and performing ministry, you see him calling upon the Holy Spirit constantly. When the church starts, and Acts 2 is really the start of the church age, the age in which we are in right now, from all of Acts, there's 59 references to the Holy Spirit being spoken of. That's one-fourth of the entire New Testament. What that's saying to us is that we have built the church based on ordinary people like you and I, who would call on the Holy Spirit. They understood that they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, and it caused them to do incredible things through the strength of who God is. I grew up near this dam. It's called Millerton Dam, and I would there's a little road that goes off to the right, and this is actual dam right here. And we would go to the lake all the time. We loved the lake. And every time I drove by this dam, the water, well not every time, but most of the time, the water would be coming over the top, and I would see this flashy, beautiful water coming over the top, and I would think, that is so awesome, it's so powerful, how, this, how the power of the water is rushing over. And as I grew older, I realized that the real power of the dam is not the water coming over the top, that's the froth, the extra, you have to let it go because it's getting too full. The power is in these generators and these turbines at the bottom of the dam. And this pounds, tons and tons of, of water going through these generators very quietly creates this electricity that we use. That is the true strength of the dam. And when we talk about our lives with God, we get very sidetracked of the outside stuff, the froth, the extra we see the outside of people, and we get kind of excited about that. We see the, the flashy things of this world, and we get very excited about that. When the real power comes when we commission the Holy Spirit within us. When ordinary people begin to understand that they have been empowered by God and commission it to say, I'm ready to do great things. And he tells us we will do even greater things than those before us. We're told that we're supposed to be empowered, and we will do things with this. Notice Paul, when he's talking, he's talking at this point from prison. And it's in Colossians 1, verse 9. And again, he starts with prayer. He says, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now, catch what I'm saying. Once you have the knowledge The wisdom, the spiritual wisdom and the understanding. It causes an action. You're supposed to have something happen when it empowers you. What is the action? You'll walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects bearing fruit. This bearing fruit symbolism, most Christians know what it means, but it's, it goes back to the idea of a tree that is rooted deep into the soil. And when you are rooted deep into the soil as a tree, the, the trunk that comes out of that is strong. And when you have a strong trunk, it creates great branches. And great branches create fruit. And the fruit tastes good. And we want the fruit. The fruit's the good stuff, the flashy stuff. But as Christians, we have to have the same mindset. Am, am I rooted deep with God? Do I have this relationship with him? So it's going where I'm spending time with him. I'm praying to him. And it's creating a strong body. And the body is going to create branches. Branches are what you are touching with work and home and the people that you meet every single day. And what should happen next is you bear fruit. People will see in you who Christ is. That's what will overflow from you. The words that you say, people will come to know Christ because of what you do in bearing fruit and representing him well because your roots are deep. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously. Don't miss joyously. As Christians, sometimes we don't look that joyful and we need to. Because joyously, what that's about is, yes, we all have hardships, things that come along and wreck us. But we understand we're empowered by the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. It should excite us. Even though I'm facing this, I still have the power of God inside me. And I still have eternity. And I still have a God who loves me. So it's going to be okay. That's where joy comes into play. We're expecting great things through our life because of the inner man and the strength that he is in us. And here's the bonus. The inner man never dies. It's one of the few things in this world that you can spend time on every single day, and you can take it with you into eternity. Everything else that we're working on, the outer man, the stuff that we gain, all that stuff we can't take with us. This is one of two things that you can actually take with you into heaven. You can send this ahead. I won't tell you what the second one is. I'll post it on Facebook later. But the first one is the inner man and how you strengthen him. If you will spend time in prayer, in the word, in disciplines, in accountability, if you'll serve in your life all of these things are building up the inner man and strengthening him you continue to grow stronger and stronger and stronger until you take it with you into heaven the outer man the outer man is constantly dying we wake up in the morning and we just hurt you know as a ch- as a younger person i had pain here and there now i wake up and i just hurt in general just saying, i say i hurt today That part is dying, but my inner man, that can be growing stronger every day. That's pretty exciting. Amen? There's this group of guys that get here at 5.15 a.m. every, well, six days a week to work out. And it's hilarious because... You're waking up at like 4.30 in the morning and you're hurting and and you're coming to a place so you can exercise, which is more pain. And every day you ask, why in the world am I doing this? But you know why you're doing it. You want to stay sexy for your wife, right? Right, men? You want to have that same physique you had when you got married? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Uh, I lost my train of thought with that one. You're also trying to uh, stay young. You want to stay young for your kids. You want to be able to play with your kids for a long time. We know why we work out. And we work out early because the day is so jam-packed. If I don't do it at 5.15 in the morning, it's probably not going to happen. And I need the accountability of others yelling at me because if they're, if they're all with me, I might be able to get it done. We get that, and we understand that it's more than exercise. Our diet has to change. We love our treats and our snacks, and it shows, sorry. So we have to always be pushing those things away. We get that. When we understand the outer man and how it works, I mean, I could write a cookbook. A cookbook would be one page long. It'd say, all right, exercise and watch your diet. That's how you lose weight. Now give me a million dollars. I don't know how they keep creating these books because it's the same thing every time. We understand that, but when it comes to the inner man, It lasts forever. The outer man that we always are working on doesn't. So why wouldn't we spend as much time on that? That that will last. That is a real muscle. Something we have to strengthen constantly. Back to Ephesians. In verse 17 it says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. There's three verbs there. Three very powerful verbs. The first one is dwell. Dwell. What is dwell all about? What God is telling us is that he has permanent residence in us. He dwells there. It's not this temporary relationship, something that you just kind of get and then you lose and you go back and forth and you're always sort of like, I'm not sure if I'm with God right now. No, he's dwelling in you. It's a permanent relationship. It's rooted Rooted, again, speaks to that tree, the symbolism of deep roots being firmly planted inside of us. He speaks of this analogy all through the Bible. We see it back in Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3, when he says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit. There's the fruit. in its season and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. Does that describe you? Do you feel like as you walk with the Lord, he's just blessing you? Are you deeply planted with him? The third verb is established, which again speaks to foundation and longevity. Have you built this type of relationship with Christ in yourself? the temple of the Lord in which he dwells and established himself. There's a great analogy in Matthew 7, verse 24. It says, Therefore, everyone who, has, who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. You probably have heard this before. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. As someone who's been around church a long time, I have seen the rocks. Those Christians who come in and are firmly planted and rooted and established with Christ. And when the winds came and they blew at the house and the crisis of life hit, they have stood strong. And I watch them and I'm I'm amazed. I say, man, they, they have such a relationship with Christ. I can see in them as they continue to stay strong. Unfortunately, I've also seen the second half of that. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. I have seen this as well. People who I call shooting stars because they're so on fire for God, but when the crisis hits, it fades away and they disappear. Have you built your house as a rock, rooted and established, and established? When you do, you will be empowered by the strength of who God is. Ephesians 18 says, may may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, the depth of Christ. How have I been empowered by his depth? This, you have to really read 17 and 18 together to catch the whole flavor of it. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Let's try and grasp this. We know that time is a property. What that means for us, science has told us that, among other things, time can be affected by mass, acceleration, gravity, all those kinds of things. We also know that the life is more than three dimensions. Science again has said that there's probably about 10 dimensions, maybe more. So what we have to do here, and Paul is pushing us to understand, is that he is more than what we see and understand in front of us. That God can, for one, be outside of time. He can see the beginning and the end. That he can be in multiple dimensions at once. When we understand who God is, this starts to make more sense. When we think about how wide his love is, we can see John 3.16 that says, Whoever believes, whoever believes, he throws his hands out wide and says, No matter what nation you are from, no matter what the color of your skin is, no matter what your socioeconomical situation is, it does not matter. Whoever believes, my arms are open wide to let you in. Our situation on earth doesn't matter, but what we do with our situation does matter. It starts with, do you believe? Do you believe? Are you willing to follow this? How long his love is? We can see in Ephesians 1, 4, where he chose us before the foundations of the world. Now, that's a wild thought. So before he created the universe and the earth and all this, however he did it, he had us in mind. It helps to think of him outside of time where he can see the beginning and the end to really understand what's going on there. But he knew about you before he did anything else. He knew your unique design. He knew what you would do with your life. It's still up to you. You still have this purpose that you have to fulfill. But he knew how he created you, where you would be, who you'd be with. He was ready for all of it. And he had a purpose for your life when we talk about how high his love, we can look earlier into Ephesians 2.6 when we are told that we will be raised up and seated with him in the heavenly places. Raised up, that means when I die, I get to go to a place raised up in the heavenly realm with my creator. How exciting is that, amen? That's, that's a great thing to know how high the depth of my God's love is. And when we think about how deep his love is, Philippians 2.8 shows us that he humbled himself by becoming a man and being obedient to the point of death on a cross. This is the depth of his love. It's like no other love in this world. Last February, uh, how many of you saw Whitney Houston's funeral? A few of you? It's pretty powerful. It was like a church service, basically, and it was on every channel. It was amazing. I'm like, man, they're, they're doing church for this funeral. Whitney Houston is an interesting example. In 2002, she had an interview with Diane Sawyer, and Whitney began discussing the pain and frustration of her comeback to her not going so well. And she says this in the interview, have you ever heard the sound of 10,000 people disappointed in you? And I use Whitney as an example because probably about the time of the movie bodyguard she was on top of the world they called her the queen of pop she had all the money and fame and everything you could possibly want in the world's eyes she was as high as you can get but when her abuse of drugs and other related habits finally robbed her of this golden voice those cheers turned to jeers she was made fun of on every, every late night show. It was just, she dropped to this low, low point. In the world's eyes, probably about as low as you can get. And yet, in that same interview, she says this emphatically. I know this, Jesus loves me. She said that over and over, even the night before she died, at a public appearance, she said, Jesus loves me. Despite her flaws, despite her self-doubt, there was one thing she never questioned, and that was the depth of God's love. This world's love is very fickle, and we chase after it. We're constantly chasing a world's love that is fickle. When God's love is not, the depth of his love, when we begin to tap into the power of that, it will empower us because we will realize how wide and long and high and deep is the love of our Christ, and it will empower us. Verse 19 says, And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. How can we know about a love that is beyond our knowledge? He says it's beyond our knowledge. So that means if we read and understand and read and read and read and become very book smart about this subject, you're still not going to quite understand it. In fact, until you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit that is dwelling within you, will you truly understand. You'll begin to understand him when you start to dig deep into that relationship, into the fullness of who he is inside of you. You have to have that personal relationship through prayer, through Bible reading, through disciplines, through accountability, through serving. As you do those things, the fullness of who he is begins to happen. How am I empowered by his fullness? Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask and think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. He can do far more than we ask. He tells us in those verses that he can do far more than we've ever asked. And I ask for a lot. But do we have the faith that he will do what we ask? Or is it a lack of faith that sometimes causes us not to pray at all? We don't trust him. We're not sure he cares about the same things we care about. What I find is our problem comes in how we pray altogether. Most of the time in prayer, we are thinking completely about ourselves, and we begin to dump ourselves into the situation. And it sounds okay, because all you're doing is lifting up all your personal things to him. It's a personal relationship. But we have to refocus how we're praying to him and say, God, you are God. Well, if you're God, that means you actually are God over my life. God means he is God. I know this is using the same thing. It's like the Lord. If he's Lord of my life, then he's the Lord of my life. It comes from the medieval times in which the Lord told you what to do. The Lord was in charge. So when you face situations in life and you come to God in prayer, you're saying, God, you're God. Lord, you're Lord. Whatever you say goes. If I'm supposed to be in this, I'm in this. If you're going to take me through it, I'm ready to go through it because your will be done. Whatever your will is, fine. When we begin to be empowered in that way and understand that whatever my situation is, that's where God wants me. And God will use it how he's gonna use it because he's God. That is when we become empowered with the fullness of who God is. A lot of times we settle for what is good and miss out on what is best. We find ourselves like this drama is going to portray that this is our situation in life.
1: Dear Lord. Hey, hon, did you get that shirt that was washed for me? Yeah, it's hanging up in the laundry room. Okay, thanks. Hey, hey, by the way, don't forget about Rachel's dentist appointment today after school. Oh, right. Yeah, I think I better write that down. Take Rachel to dentist after school. There. Dear Lord. Mom, we're out of milk. All right, Rachel, I'll pick some up when I go to the store. I guess quiet time's going to have to wait. Okay, milk, bread, apples. I guess I might as well finish writing a list of things to do. Take, take card to get oil change. Finish Dr. Phil book and return to library. Clean out refrigerator. Oh, now there won't be any interruptions. Hello? Oh, hi, Shelley. No, no, you're not interrupting anything. I just got back from grocery shopping. Yeah, I know. I can't believe how expensive our grocery bill is getting. I'm trying everything I can to save money, cutting coupons, books on financial tips, you know. I'm just feeling so drained from all of these money issues. Yeah, of course. It doesn't help that Joel doesn't seem to want to pull his weight around here. He makes things more stressful with all the work he creates, as if I don't have enough to do already, you know? And then he makes me feel guilty for all the money I spend trying to maintain this household. Well, I finish that Dr. Phil book about relationships? Hopefully this will uh, stimulate some communication between me and Joel. I've tried everything else. I'm just so tired, Shelly. It's like one thing after another. I get a lot accomplished, but I still feel like I'm running in place. Listen, Shelly, I have to go. I have to pick up Rachel from school and take her to the dentist. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Oh, I haven't had the chance to read the Bible yet. Okay, I think I'll read one of these real quick. And that was a good one. Okay, let me see what I've gotten accomplished today. Not bad. Rachel to the dentist, Check. Went to the store, check. Returned book, check. Check, check. God, why do I feel so drained? I feel like we're so disconnected. I try to spend time with you, I read all my devotionals, yet you still seem so far away. I feel like you're not helping me. I don't really know what else to do though. I guess I've just gotta settle for what I've got.
0: Can you relate? yeah in fact she did pretty good she got a lot accomplished that'd be a good day but he can do far more than we ask we have to engage into that power that's actually inside of us when we start to engage with the holy spirit that's dwelling in us we will become fulfilled and he can do far more than we think do our prayers make a difference in this world if we start making him lord of our life it will Do our prayers advance the kingdom of God? Absolutely, if we are focused on what God has us for and the purpose that he has us here for. Those last two verses said, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Based on what? based on the power that's dwelling within you. That Holy Spirit, that inner man that we can barely grasp that dwells in us. Imagine what might be when we truly understand that we are empowered people. There's nothing that we can't do by the grace of God. Let's pray. God, we come before you and we ask that you would use us in powerful ways. I pray, Lord, that we would leave this place knowing how empowered we are, the depth of your love, the fullness that you bring as we focus on you through our daily habits. God, use us to do even more. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you find yourself here today going back to the wide and deep of God's love and you don't have that first step when he opens his arms wide, you don't have this Christ as your savior but something in the music, in the word, whatever, you are wanting this Christ. I'm not gonna pull you up front. I'm not gonna do anything weird. But if you're here today and you're saying, I want this Christ, I just want you to quickly lift your hand up and say, that's me. Pray for me. I need this Christ in my life. Just quickly lift it up. and Leave it up for a second. Amen. Anyone else, just quickly lift it up. Amen. God, you are so good. And I pray for those that raise their hands. Lord, empower them. I pray that today would be a new day. And we love you and we go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen.